Welcome to Creators by Moonlight. Real conversations with content creators. Kelly Wilson Robinson is an actor from Greenville, South Carolina. She came to acting later than most and sacrificed much to pursue the craft. In this interview, she talks about losing her teaching career and her marriage what she does to stand out on set, and why she won't give up. I was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and my parents moved about, I think I was nine months old, to Greenville, South Carolina, where I grew up. I had a great childhood. I was extremely, painfully shy. I used to hide in the closet when the doorbell rang and I was just one of those kids that you couldn't talk to. I would hide behind my mom, you know, when anyone was being introduced to me. I busted out of that shell around eighth grade and in high school I was, you know, the social butterfly and was full throttle ever since. pet snakes growing up. My mother was terrified of them, but I begged for years and she finally relented. And I had a ball python that used to bust out of her cage at night and sleep at the bottom of my feet in my electric blanket. Had a rooster named PJ that I used to paint his toenails and dress him in a pound puppy outfit. I've had every animal, huge animal lover, and I still am. When I was growing up, I was a cheerleader. I started dancing and cheerleading when I was three. My dad was the football coach for the team. And actually we kind of together went up the ladder all the way through high school even. I was always think of myself as a little girl from Remember the Titans. I think I really could coach the football team. Cheerleading conception of it used to be just, uh, they're just there to just look cute or whatever on the sidelines. It is far from that. It is very physical. I was a flyer, which is the person who goes in the air and they throw in the air and you pray to God they catch you. I was the first sophomore in my high school ever to make the varsity cheerleading team. And that also was the year that they first said, okay, in South Carolina, cheerleading is officially a sport. And we have to do these two and a half minute routines where you're cheering and dancing and moving. And it takes many months to choreograph this and you know the tumbling around that back hands bring back tucks you know you go to the gym constantly and we practice four hours a day like three and four days a week and competitions on Saturdays and it all paid off though because we were state champs I did break my ankle two weeks before state I remember going to the orthopedic doctor and he was going to put a hard cast on my foot. And I looked at him and my mom and I said, absolutely not. I have a competition in two weeks. And he said, well, you're not competing. And I said, watch me. So I left with an air cast. I took the air cast off right before I walked out onto the competition floor. And we won the very first state championship for cheerleading in the whole state of South Carolina. So, so glad that I did not get the hard cast because you can't compete in one of those. Then I went to school at USC in Columbia and did not try out for cheerleading because I had been doing it for so long, but Lord, I had regretted that so much. But I ended up coaching the high school team 
where I cheered. My entire family, my aunt, my grandparents, my mother, all are educators. My grandfather was the dean of education at the University of Southern Mississippi. Everyone's got their doctorates in education, all teachers. So I grew up saying I'll never be a teacher ever. And then I went to college and I was undeclared major for the first two years. And then I came home and my niece at the time was nine and she was cheerleading for a youth team and they needed a coach. And that age, nine, eight and nine, or third grade age, and I absolutely fell in love with those kids. And that's when I realized I got to be a teacher. I love working with children. I had no idea how much I loved working with children. They're just so funny and they're so real and they get my humor, you know, because I'm just a goofball. Like I had them convinced that I was a stand-up comedian on the weekends. Like they really believed me. Like it was, they were great. I miss them so much, but I wasn't paid to do that. I was volunteering as a coach at the time, but me doing that is what led to me getting the varsity cheerleading position. My coach was great. So I really modeled my program off of what she did. I was like the program coordinator. And my first year, we actually won state and we won five times in my seven years. One time we were runner up by two points, but it's okay. I'm not bitter. It was a round the clock full time job. And it was a whole year. Like we would practice four days a week throughout the whole summer for four hours a day one night in the gym. I loved coaching and we were great. It was extremely physical. Those girls are hardcore athletes and very driven. If they missed one game, one practice, anything off the team, and they knew it. Like I had a cheerleader constitution. They knew it because I wanted people to be, you know, all in just like I always felt about it. And I think that's why we were so successful is because I even got teacher recommendations. I got um, them to write letters why they should be chosen. And some of them were just heartbreaking and amazing. And sometimes you got to think the sport is sometimes better for the child. Like they need it more than some others, if that makes sense. Like I remember one girl in particular that I took on, she needed it in her life to change her life, to turn it around. And then she ended up like saving us because one of our flyers broke her foot and she jumped in and was able to do it. So I was so thankful. I took my dad's advice and did that. I actually tried out for the Carolina Panthers. I remember like there was like 400 girls that tried out and they're more of like a dance team, not cheerleader. And I was just cheerleader, really more flyer, things like that. They had seven spots open and I made it into the top 10. And then they told me, they asked like if I would be interested in having breast enhancement surgery. Basically what they were saying is you're great, but you're not going to fill that costume out. So I didn't make the team, but that's okay. Kelly's first passion had been cheerleading, but the inspiration to become an actor came from an unlikely source. She then found herself having to make difficult decisions about her future. I was a teacher at the time. I had been teaching um, third grade and second grade, and I was a reading specialist for 14 years and loved those kids to death like they were my own. 
but I did not love all the extra stuff that went with it. It was so time consuming and exhausting. It just never crossed my mind to become an actress because it just seemed so far out of my reach. Then my son, he was born entertainer. He was three years old, pointed at the TV and said, I want to be a star. And I thought he meant like a star in the sky. I was like, silly, that's just a big ball of gas in the sky. You can't be a star. He said, no, on TV. And I'm like, what? So I wasn't pushing him in that direction, but he wanted that. And so I searched for an agent, found one in Atlanta that wanted him, signed him, and he got a lot of work. And I still did not think I would be acting at this point. I was carting him around from Atlanta to Greenville to auditions. Then she, the agent saw us together at a function and asked, why are you not in this agency? Why are you not acting? Because y'all would be great together in commercials. And so I was signed with the agency, which does not happen typically without, I, I was lucky. I was lucky that it just kind of landed in my lap. I thought I was going to book a lot of commercials with my kid. So we would audition together. and then. I would get a part, but a different kid get the role, or he would get a part and a different mom. And but we never got booked together as mom and son, which is funny. That opened the door and showed me like I can do this. Like it's not hard. You just stand in front of a camera and be yourself, or be another person, or it's just pretending to be someone else. And it, it just came pretty easily for me. I remember there was a movie role offered to me. It was my first big feature film. I had done about six or seven, you know, smaller ones, you know, some short films, some commercials, and it's hard teaching and doing auditions. And it was a lot, but I did it. And I remember some nights I would drive home from filming all night in Atlanta, drive to school the next day, teach all day, go home and do another audition. It, it was it was a lot. I loved it though. I absolutely fell in love with acting. I loved everything about it and I wanted to learn everything I could. So I would read all about, you know, the different jobs there were. I was actually volunteering and doing a lot of things where I wasn't getting paid, like just to be a PA so I could see what goes on behind the scenes. I wanted to learn everyone's role because for me to be a good actress, I want to know what everybody else has to do. What can I do for them to make their job easier? And so that was a huge help for me. I got to help with a lot of short films. You know, I didn't get paid for most of the beginning things that I did. I didn't care. I was just so happy to get any part, you know, and people were telling me, you know, you're actually pretty good. And I'm like, why are you so surprised? It, it just kind of felt like a natural thing for me. Like I was born to do that. My husband at the time was not supportive of my acting endeavors or career. He kind of gave an ultimatum of acting or him. I'm a believer in allowing people to do what they want, follow their dream, don't be miserable in doing a job. Don't lie on your deathbed saying, what if I would have tried? What if I could have done this? So I went for it. And so he and I, had we parted ways. And um, 
I haven't stopped since. I've been full speed ahead. It's something that I had to take a huge leap of faith. I left behind my teaching career. It was a big sacrifice and it was a, it was scary because I got offered a role in The Good Things Devils Do. You know, it was like my first big role as an actor. I was like, wow. But it was something that it would be filmed during the school year. And so I had to make a choice and it wasn't hard. I chose acting. And of course, financially, woo, that was an immense struggle. And people love to judge. It's just natural. And so I lost a lot of friendships. Well, what I thought were friendships, I guess, that way, because they thought I made the wrong choice. I know I didn't make the wrong choice because I have not digressed. I'm still full steam ahead after, you know, however many years it's been, seven, eight years. I'm constantly, every day, still reaching out to, you know, looking online, looking for different opportunities, ways to help, you know, music videos. And it's very, it's amazing how on set, it's so important for me. I always say, be kind. That's what I used to always say to my students. Be kind, be kind. And that goes so far everywhere, including on set. Her decision made, Kelly joined the ranks of the struggling actor. She credits her drive and her passion for teamwork with opening many doors. I was 35 when I started doing the short films, things like that. And now I'm 42. I just turned 42. For some reason, women are always like, oh, I'm not telling you how old I am. I don't care. As long as I don't look that age, I'm good. There are not many jobs in the world where you have to basically reapply for the job, give your resume, your reel, your headshot, and interview all over again every couple of weeks. I mean, that just doesn't happen. I mean, when you're a teacher, you get you get the job and you can teach forever. But when you're acting, you're constantly having to prove yourself, constantly having to show you're better, constantly having to show these are the skills I have, adding to your list of things you can do. And you're going to apply for 30 things maybe and get one if you're lucky. Maybe two auditions, great. An audition, super. It's a way to get in front of the camera. It's a way for them to see you. And remember you maybe for another job if you don't get that one. So it's something that you can't be fair weather on. You got to be all in or just all out because the people who make it are the ones who don't give up. And people like me, you tell me I can't, it's going to happen and I will. I was very fortunate whenever I started, I was applying for any role I could get. Background didn't matter to me. And I remember traveling to Atlanta and I was in a massive herd of people, 200 people. And they looked up in the audience and they pointed to me and they said, come down here, like to where I could be seen in the screen. And I was like, that's really nice. That happened several times in different environments. And I was like, well, maybe it's my hair because I look different. Another interesting thing that has happened to me several times is 
I will audition for a part and I won't get the part, but they will, they'll make another part for me. They'll write something else into the script. And at first I thought that that was not a good thing. I'm like, gosh, I wasn't good enough for that part. But then someone, a director said, no, that means you're good. And they wanted you in it, but just not in that part. I'm like, okay, but I've been very fortunate. And if I usually, if I get an in-person audition, I'll book it. But if it's a taped audition, it's a 50-50. So I don't know what what it is about the taped auditions. I guess the personality doesn't always get to come out whenever you're stuck with just these lines. I played the drunk mom. I played the soccer mom. I played the Home Depot girl. Like it's so weird that I can be put into all these different parts. My one of my favorite things though is to play a vampire because I've got that um got that look, you know, the, the the white thing going on, the super glowing almost. One of my very first leads when I was still teaching, I was um Carmilla, the a vampire, and I took it so seriously that I went to the library and I found a book about her and she was like before Dracula and she had red hair and all these things. I'm like, that's why he did it. Cause I like to really get to the origin story of things, the characters that I play or portray. And if they don't have a backstory, I make one so that I can become that person. You know, sometimes they're like, she's this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, I can do that. But then I'm like, but what made her that way? Why is she that way? And it's the little things like with your eyes or little gestures or mannerisms that I would practice, you know, for every, any character that I get and, you know, run things by directors and even, you know, dialogue. I'm like, this sounds a little like odd to me. What do you think about this? And a lot of times they're like, yeah, go with it. It's important for, I think, actors to embrace that character. I'm not like a method actor, but. I do make in my mind a new person, I guess, a character completely. Like, what was that person's home life like? How did they grow up? Do they like animals? What do they do in the day? And people watching is one of the best ways to learn about acting, I believe, if I can sit still long enough and do it. The Good Things Devils Do is what really started my career rolling in a bigger, better direction. I was at a friend's premiere. I was in a movie, short part for him, and it was premiering and he looked stressed selling tickets. So I went over to him and I said, let me do this. Let me, let me be the ticket person. You go enjoy your film. And the director for The Good Things Devils Do was in line. And apparently I talked to him because I talked to everyone. I was only in that movie for a split second. But afterwards, all the cast were talking, hanging around. And that director approached me because he said I commanded the room. And to be able to do that with such a huge group was a big deal, especially when I was just a little small part in that film. He told me about the movie and asked me to audition. So I did, and I got the role of Caroline. Me just memorizing lines, which were a lot more than I had had to do before, that wasn't enough for me. Like, I can sew, I can do, I'm jack jack of all trades except cooking. Terrible cook. 
I used to make dance costumes for dance teams. Like I can do all those things. So I was helping with wardrobe. Like um, Melvin, I made all of his sweater vests. Like I helped with like Danny's costume, my costume. I helped with props. I helped with so many things, script supervision, like, you know, line editing, um, poor masquerade, you know, she's covered in blood, makeup, nails. She couldn't make her plate. I'm like, do you want me to make you a plate? She's like, yes. She like had her teeth in and she was freezing. So I made her a plate. And it's just little things like that, that other people notice. And that leads to other opportunities. I was even there for like the soundtrack, like helping score it. I wanted to be a part of all of it. And I was just doing that to get experience. That was like an extra thing in addition to just my part as Caroline in the film. In turn, they gave me um, points for the movie. So I became an associate producer. And that was pretty cool because that led to me becoming an executive producer for another film coming up called The Devil's Circle, which hasn't started yet. It's in pre-production. And I'm also in that one um, as Lois. And all of that came from, like, I didn't go into it seem like, hey, I'm I, I'm only going to do this if you give me money for that. I just did it because I wanted to help and I wanted to learn. And I knew I could help and I could see how stressed wardrobe was. And I'm like, what can I do to help? All I'm doing, I got my lines memorized. I've had this script for two months. What can I do to help? I'm not doing it. Everyone's running around crazy. What can I do to help? And they appreciated that. And they offered me associate producer position, which I was very grateful for. That film, um, it came out last Halloween. It is basically um, a home invasion vampire style, I guess is the best way I can put it. You know, Kane Hodder and Linnea Quigley, Bill Ebers Jr., um, David Rucker are all in it. And they're like family. And my son, you know, he played young Danny. He had some hard lines in that when people were like, whoa, <laughs> he got the greatest laughs, though. It's won several awards in different film festivals, and it has worldwide distribution. Um, you can watch it pretty much anywhere except for Netflix, I believe. And I love that movie. I feel like it's my second child, and it will always feel that way to me. And I still have a great working relationship with the director. And um, I can always reach out to him, ask questions like, well, what do you think about this? Does this look like a shady role to you? Does this look like, who is this? Does this director look legit to you? So he's been very, you know, helpful in, in that. And he was tough on me on set, but I'm glad he was. I was tough on my cheerleaders. He was tough on me, made me look good. Also, important thing to note is people, I didn't realize this, but I'm a big promoter of the films that I'm in. It's a way to thank, you know, the director and the people involved with the film. And it's also promoting, you know, me. And that's something I'm really bad at doing. People appreciate that. And I've been told that it's noticed that I always seem to be very supportive of, you know, other actors, other, um, you know, directors, you know, just whoever I can, I guess the perpetual cheerleader. Kelly's chosen path includes many obstacles to be navigated, including financial and interpersonal. It is extremely difficult to work as a professional actress and pay bills. 
and live like normal humans do, which was a big part of the marriage issue. And I gave up a lot. I mean, a massive house, but it was just too much to clean anyway. I gave up so many things and I wouldn't trade it for anything. My car, like I now like have a piece of junk, but I love it. Love my piece of junk car because it's huge and it holds all the things I need for set. I actually slept in my car for almost two years. People don't know that. I would go to, you know, friends or family's houses a couple of days, take a shower. I would even go to like the gas stations where the truck drivers take showers to get ready for our like set and then our auditions because I would have to secretly do my auditions because my, you know, downstairs because my ex-husband didn't, you know, wasn't approving and it was a struggle. I'm so glad I went through all of it because now that I have, I am where I am and I have everything I need. It's like, wow, you know, I'm doing it. And I've actually, you know, booked two skincare commercials recently. One's actually to be a um, spokesperson for them. Another one is a commercial. And then today I got two audition requests for horror movies, which is my favorite genre ever. And I love watching horror movies. That's all I watch. I watch one every day, but I have given up a lot. I sleep in my car constantly. And a little tip for all of the actors out there. The best place to park is at Walmart parking lots because they will not kick you out. Police won't tell you to leave. And if you park close enough to the building, you get free Wi-Fi with your computer and you can get a little adapter for your car and you can work on your resume or work on your reel and have your Wi-Fi going. And it's pretty nice. To me, it's all worth it because I'm getting more and more and more jobs. Granted, individually, they don't pay a lot. And so, you, of course, you have to do something else, which most people don't know this because I don't know why. I just never tell anyone. But um, I have an eBay store that I run. I love porcelain and fine china, and I've learned all about it. And I sell the heck out of that stuff. I buy it so cheap and then resell it for a lot more. But I have an eBay store and that, you know, helps tremendously. And it's also something I can do while acting. I can put it on vacation and then I can go and do my thing. It's not something that is so time demanding. It's like my schedule. And I love that. I don't love all the fees they make me pay, but I do love the flexibility of the job. At first, whenever I started acting, the people that I thought were my friends, mainly my teaching coworkers, just stop talking to me. And that was fine by me. Their loss. Other people did as well. And that was okay with me because I learned very quickly that it does not matter how I would never want a million friends that are all fake. I just want like one good friend. So I have my dog. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, you know, just one or two good friends. That's all you need. You don't need a bunch of friends, you know? When I grew up, I was always the super friendly to everyone, nice to everyone, loved everyone, talked to anyone, non-judgmental, not into groups. And that's just how I thought everyone was. Well, I quickly learned, especially in the acting world, that that is not the way it is. And even just as an adult, 
when I go out and am walking around and, you know, shopping, I get to look up and down and all I usually do is just smile and, you know, hello or am kind to them and usually we'll catch them off guard. I was always offended by it. And then I was told, oh, they're just jealous. That's the typical, like whatever response. I don't know what it is, but there was um, a girl at a convention and I remember I thought like I had to buy a dress on the way there. I didn't even try it on because I hate trying clothes on. It was awful on me. I was like, forget it. I had to buy earrings at the convention and she came running out and she looked gorgeous, like full on sequins, like ruby red slippers, perfect blonde hair. And she's like a, a big TikTok person, Mackenzie Marshall, I believe her name is. I can't remember the exact quote, but she said, I saw you from so far away. I knew you had to be someone famous. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, girls just don't say things like that. I would to someone. I'm always very quick to give a compliment or tell another girl like, oh, you look beautiful or oh, your hair looks great. But for some reason, I don't know what it is. People are just, um, I mean, I don't like beg for attention or need a bunch of compliments, but it's not even compliments. It's just like, who do you think you are? I'm just like, gosh, and I'm actually super sensitive. So of course I'm like, what have I done? But as an actress, you learn to get tough very quickly. My greatest friends that I have, I really believe this. This is crazy. I've never even personally met. I know them just from like Facebook and, you know, they're all in the entertainment industry. So they get it. They know how people judge. They know how hard it is. They know the struggle, the sacrifices, the mental anguish, the, you know, exhaustion, the, you know, self-defeat, the when's it going to happen for me, the COVID hitting and then everything going to, you know, nothing happening. And still people saying, don't give up, don't give up. But then you're just like, I'm tired, you know, but you still can't give up. Those people I will always consider like my best friends. And they're like famous people. And that blows my mind. Like I'll text them and they text me right back. And then one time I needed a letter of intent for a film. And I'm like, what? I don't know what this is. Like, oh my goodness. So I had to I text Bill over. So I'm like, Bill, man, you got a letter of intent. I don't really know what this is. He's like, I'll email it to you now. He was on set on his break, sent it to me. And I just changed the thing, sent it out, done. I started like on Facebook when people book jobs or, you know, I booked it. I'm like, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. And people appreciate that coming from another actor. So I wish more of them would do it. Kelly sees her passion for acting as a lifestyle choice and feels camaraderie with those she considers fellow artists. I have sacrificed a ton for this dream of mine, this wild and crazy dream of mine, but I would not trade it for anything. I would not quit it for anything. And I recently wrote a poem about that. The poem was, I do not quit. I don't give up. I don't believe in coincidence or luck. It was really good. I can't remember the rest, but it ended with saying something about, you know, to help me fulfill this wild and crazy dream. I do write a lot of poetry. Um, I write for artists because I remember talking to someone about how much we sacrifice as artists. We give it all. We give everything to get a small taste of fame. Our hearts bleed. We sacrifice handing the world our sharpest knife. Basically saying, 
we put ourselves out there only to get crucified by everyone, but it's worth the risk because in the end it could all be just great. Yeah. I have so many, like one of them actually was just two lines. A director asked if he could use it as his opening for his movie. It's called Paste. Every day I wake up and glue a smile on my face. If it starts to slip, I add a little more paste. I don't put many of them online because people will be like, girl, are you okay? I'm like, y'all, it's just poetry. Like, I'm fine. Like, people will inbox me and be like, you all right? I'm like, y'all, stop. Like, I have one called Reaper. Like, and most of them are old things I wrote when, like, some ex made me mad. But they're relatable. And so I'm like, yeah, you need to hear this. But people just get, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. They don't, they don't read between the lines. You know, they, they take it way too seriously. But you know who gets it? The artists, the entertainers, they get it. They get it. Like I posted a quote thinking nobody's going to care about this. And it it said, um, it was something along the lines of blood makes you related. Loyalty makes you family. And that meant a lot to me. And it meant a lot to a lot of other people. I didn't, had no idea that that many entertainers had family members that disagreed with their decision. There's just so many sacrifices, but it takes a lot of persistence and just determination and just not giving up. I mean, there are so many times I could have just said, you know what, forget it. I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. It's not worth it. But then I'm like, no, I've come this far. Why on earth would I do that? Why quit now? I, I've given up so much and I'm, go- I'm doing it and I'm never going to quit ever. The voiceover acting is my next step. That's um, my next goal thing that I want to, to conquer. Like I have several movies that are coming up, but I want to get into the voice acting. So I've got the, all this set up. I always use my resources like people on Facebook. Before I will accept a friend request, I see how many mutual friends we have, you know, make sure they're, you know, not some spam account. And there was one that was like a voiceover specialty person. So I remembered that and I went to him and I was like, I'd love to talk to you about voiceover one day. Boom. Got it. I have some fans that have done some amazing things with some of my pictures. Like if I need anything edited, I have a fan in Ohio. I just send them to him and I'm like, do this, this, this. And he does it. Boom. Like they are so amazing. and they're just nice people. One person made like an avatar for me. I'm like, oh my, it looks like me. I'm like, how did you do this? They are so sweet. A lot of them hide in my inbox, but um, they're really awesome. They're, I have some the most awesome fans. It's weird to think about that, that I have fans. Cause I used to always make, joke around with my son, like, you know, um, like he would turn on the fan and I'm like, ah, my biggest fan, like in the room, you know, but now I actually have people that want my dead cards, you know, like signed and it's really cool. My ultimate goal, and this is so silly because most people, this isn't their dream job, but I am such a people person. Like I I have to get out of the house like once a day just to go and talk to people out in public, you know, and I'll strike up a conversation with anyone, especially a thrift store. Last week in Alabama, I was talking to this one woman for an hour and a half. I don't have any clue who she was, but we are now like best friends. And so it's hilarious. But I want to go to like conventions and meet people and like sign things and like 
get pictures and just that would be so much fun to me because I love traveling around and going to different places and meeting people and that's what I really want to do. I'm a big believer in following your heart and your dreams and doing what makes you happy, not what you have to do just because society says you have to do it. I'm not into the nine to five culture. I'm not into the rules that society has that are unwritten. I'm like a, a dandelion. I just go with it and wherever I land, great. If it works out, great. If not, I'll float somewhere else and we'll see how that goes. I'm not a quitter. I do not quit. I don't give up. For me, success is continuous improvement. It's not the financial aspect. It's continuously improving and getting a larger fan base, getting more roles, getting more opportunities, learning more about the craft, having more experiences, going more places. That's what it's all about to me. You know, I can, I'm a survivor. I can live in my car. I'm a trooper. I can make things happen. It's not about the money for me. It's about just the love of the art, just the love of performing. I don't know, I just come alive in front of a camera. And I don't know what it is. I just, I love it. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I think if anyone who wants to become an actor, it doesn't matter how old you are, go for it. I was older. I had already started my career. You know, I know there are so many other actors, like even Morgan Freeman and so many others that were much older before they started. I've never gone to acting school. I've never gone to theater school. And that's okay. You're never too old to follow a dream. You know, my, my biggest thing I always say is don't lie on your deathbed thinking, I wonder if I could have done this. I What if I would have tried this? Just go for it. If it doesn't work out, okay. But if it does, wow. Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight at gmail.com and follow the show on social at creatorsbymoonlight.com.